heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. All right, well, folks, this is a very, very big episode for me. Probably my biggest guest to date, episode number 156 of YWC Football Talk. It's the one. It's the only. If you're a Patriots fan, which I hope you're listening to this, if you are a Pats fan like myself and like my guest, his name says Nick Fitzy Stevens, but we're calling him Fitzy. Fitzy, how are you today? Griff Dog, what's up, my man? How are you? I'm so glad we were finally able to put this together. You are a patient, benevolent, and understanding Patriots fan. My favorite kind. You've obviously got immaculate taste, both in terms of the guests on your podcast, on the YWC, the uh, the Yowza Wild uh, <laughs> crazy podcast uh, from WYWC here. Um, took a while for us to finally put it together. I appreciate your understanding and patience with the schedule. Uh, here we are in the or, uh, the early throws of March 2022. Uh, by all accounts, we should be in the bleak midwinter of the NFL offseason. But instead, this probably was the wildest Tuesday that I can remember in the offseason. Uh, we're on the doorstep of major roster moves that will affect the New England Patriots for uh, seasons, if not decades to come. Like, man, like the NFL takes no we t- they talk about no days off with the Patriots. But the God's honest fact is the NFL takes no days off. It is a 247, 365, perpetually replenishing brohemoth of sports fantertainment. And I'll tell you what, I can't get enough, dude. I can never, ever get enough. We've been to the playoffs every year since God, since since the Big Bang. <laughs> We've watched six Super Bowls in our lifetime, and I'm thirsty for more. That's why my, that's why my motto out just in terms of football is like, you know, NFL football. There is no methadone for it. No, there is not. That's why that's why every time I talk football and I say why I love it, it's because it's a 12 month a year sport. Sure there's some times where it's quiet, but what sport 6 months out from kickoff cuz I actually realized that today that we're 6 months away from the kickoff of next season. Are we talking so in depth and so passionately? Not only about the team that we love, but about the right. league as a whole. That's the NFL. You don't get that with any of the other sports, even though one of those sports right now I'm not exactly happy with, but we'll, that's another topic for another day. Yeah, no, baseball can't pull its uh, very well-compensated head out of its rosin-filled ass right now. And my I, the, the greatest thing about this Tuesday, where you have these massive shifts, uh, players staying where they're staying where they've played, you know, generational players, planetary talents moving from, you know, one team to another, one conference to another. I love that Major League Baseball is throwing a pity party for itself. Like, oh, we can't figure out a bunch of these tiny little details about the game that should be so obvious for us all to figure out. And the billionaires and the millionaires can't figure out how to equitably distribute all of their revenue. So we're just going to lock ourselves inside our bedroom and we're going to play really emo music and we're going to cancel games and tell you guys that you can't come. And then football is like, okay, bro. No problem. What we're going to do is six months away from the actual game, we're going to continue to steal the spotlight, the thunder, and the attention from you. We're going to get bigger, stronger, and cooler, 
and we're going to eat your lunch in front of your face. So fuck yourself. I mean, it's so awesome. It's so great. Like literally like we should all be talking about like, Hey Griff, did you see that guy? Uh, the Red Sox brought up, uh, uh, he's like the ninth starter in spring, but I'll tell you, this kid's got a wicked heater on him, and I think he might be competing for either a back end of the bullpen spot or the fifth starter. And let me tell you, Rafi Devis looked like he was able to put down the pumpkin pie in the offseason. This kid's on the TB12 method. I think he's going to hit 50 dingers this year. Instead, it's like baseball sucks, and uh, wow, can you believe Aaron Rodgers did a 12-day cleanse and then got paid $200 million for being a miserable prick all the time? Holy shit. Oh, do you mean that Aaron Rodgers did a 12-day cleanse that involved bleeding, vomiting, eating a weird amount of butter that made you shit and vomit yourself? Uh, sounds yeah, like then- the two. Sounds like my two weeks after Super Bowl 42. <laughs> Man, this podcast is off to an electric start, and I love it. But obviously, there's all the big news today. But my main question for you is, how does the big news affect the Patriots? Like, at the end of the day, because I know the NFL is a cycle that never keeps going, but the world revolves around... The the ro- thank you. Thank you very much. See, I knew see, I knew you were coming from a good place, even though, um, you know, you're in a different country and there's an exchange rate on our uh, no exchange rate on your intelligence, on your passion, Griff. I appreciate that. How does everything affect the Patriots? Yes, because let's let's be honest. All roads lead back to New England. All, uh, anything that happens in the NFL has to somehow tie itself back to the Patriots. Like no matter what happens, like Brian Flores brings up this uh, massive transcendental lawsuit that could change the way coaches are hired and people are looked upon for their intelligence and their professional gridiron acumen for years to come. Well, Bill Belichick accidentally sent a text message that may have incited the entire thing or brought him to do the lawsuit. Uh, Tom Brady, this Rob Gronkowski may go over here, this, that every single story, no matter what the Patriots are somehow tied to it. And today, while Russell Wilson going to the Broncos and Aaron Rodgers staying put, in Green Bay doesn't necessarily affect the Patriots directly. In a lot of ways, it does because now the AFC just got that much more difficult because the AFC West is oh lit. Holy shit. Uh it's it's packed. I have never seen a conference. It immediately now became the wildest West I can remember in my lifetime. It's the best division in football. Any one of them could be a division winner, could be a wild card team playoff content Super Bowl contender at this point as well yeah. which just makes the Patriots road back to the playoffs back to the Super Bowl that much more difficult I also just because I'm that kind of petty sort of competitive small now you know like wide-eyed yet narrow-minded uh judgy type of person I kind of love the fact that Josh McDaniels woke up today you know in his temporary hotel before he and his family get their luxury residence out there in Las Vegas and he checked, you know, insert name of football website here. And he saw Russell Wilson getting traded to the Broncos. And he was like, mother puss bucket, son of a bitch. I thought I only had to go through Herbert Mahomes. Now I got to deal with Dangerous, Mr. Unlimited himself, and Herbie the Love Gun, and Patrick Mahomes. Holy shit. It just got that much more difficult for McD and all the Patriots coaches that, that he stole. Uh, now the Patriots, when they play the Packers this year, and they're going to go back to Lambeau. Great take, by the way. If you can make it from wherever you are, or if any of your listeners and your audience get a chance to go, I would put that absolutely on my must-visit, my tailgate list, my bucket football viewing experience. It's an awesome, awesome, awesome time. Uh, but yeah, now they got to go back through Aaron Rodgers again. Mr. Miserable is uh, sponge frown sulk pants. They got to go back out there and take on the $200 million man. Uh, and it just shows you like, 
for the Patriots years from now, if Mac Jones continues to develop and grow, it's going to cost that much more to keep him around. Uh, and we're watching the moves the Patriots are making too. Like we now know for a fact that unless JC Jackson ends up traveling down the David Andrews highway, which was, I think I'm going to go somewhere else and get paid a lot more money. Oops. I didn't actually, Hey coach, can I come back to play for you guys again? Oh, I'm not going to get as much as you told me I would. All right. Well, something is better than nothing. I guess I learned a few things while I was here. JC Jackson's gone. They cut Kyle Van Noy. Uh, they were gonna, they were interested in Calvin Ridley. Now that deal is gone. So, you know, the Pats have been subtly making, making moves and making news this entire time. Uh, and as far as it goes with the big stories, like, yeah, AFC is tougher. We still got to play Aaron Rodgers again. Uh, and everyone keeps wondering, okay. Uh, you know, like the Patriots are like the, the doll, like in that meme where the, it just keeps getting poked and they're like, come on, do something, do something. You know, Belichick <laughs> for his, for his lack of wearing sleeves, he's got something up there and maybe then some. 100%. And also too, cause I saw this take last week from a lot of, uh, Pats fans, including, uh, well, Pat's fan podcast, you've been on the boys of Patriots Nation podcast, who I'm close with on here. I love um, those guys. Yeah, all awesome guys. All been on here before. Mm-hmm. None um, of them shower regularly. They all eat fruit roll ups for breakfast and live in their mom's basement. And I friggin' love all of them. I would take a bullet through my middle big toe for sure for all of them. <laughs> and I saw Pat basically tweeting out that the Patriots Packers game better not be in London because obviously they have um, the Packers do play in London as a home game next year. If anything, if we're given an international game, Rather be Mexico against the Cardinals. I look Patriots, Packers, Lambo kind of writes itself. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Remember when Brady walked down like that that cement oh. walkway with the steel fencing around him, and it was like, and now, ladies and gentlemen, here is your champion, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, and he just walked down, and he was so like they played great in that game too, thirty three to eight. That was that was phenomenal, uh, absolutely phenomenal game. Cooks had a big touchdown on that game, if I remember. I think uh, Cooks. Cooks- Yeah, and Guskowski had a mammoth field goal in that game because they're like a mile and a half up in the air and you can hit one from 60. Yeah, that was spectacular. I've been to London, by the way. I highly recommend uh, not just, you know, for leisure, for family travel or for study abroad or anything, but like I went to go see the Pats versus the Rams in 2012. Cannot recommend people going abroad to take in a football game, an NFL game, let alone a Pats game, Griff. Awesome, awesome experience. There are such passionate, dedicated, diehard fan groups all over the world. Pat's Nation is global. It really is a Pat's planet. And the Patriots UK fan club, the Patriots fans of Germany, who sent me the Matt, Mac fucking Jones sweatshirt that I love to wear that people keep asking me, where can I get that? Where can I get that? Uh, it's proper, uh, proprietary design from the Patriots fans of Germany. Like They can't wait to hopefully host Pat's fans in 2023. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, obviously, if the Pats played the Packers in 2022 in England, but there are definitely lesser teams that would be a bigger draw for the Packers to play in London. But I highly recommend everyone make a point to travel internationally and take in the Patriots because a Pats fans all over the world celebrate differently yet similarly. And B there's nothing like going to a game somewhere else and seeing someone come up and go, hello, I love football. And then you say they literally have a chargers hat, a Raiders scarf, a dolphins, Jersey and then like cowboy Zubas and you're just like how did this happen oh you grew up watching Monday Night Football like a day later on like some like Sky TV or something exactly exactly but no I would I honestly remember I remember the 2012 game because I believe they killed the Rams I want to say like 35 or 45 to 7 slaughtered them 
And then Gronk had the infamous touchdown celebration with the spike where he, I believe he walked like the London guard. Um, but no, I would love for them to go back to Mexico City. Then it's just like, ladies and gentlemen, your champion, Matt, Michael, Matt Corkle, Matt Jones, yeah. and just walk down that thing. I remember that. That was that was a cold photo of Brady. Ladies um, and gentlemen, here is your champion, the McCorkle. That would be so. That would be, and his coach, the evil one, Bill Belichick, with Troy Aikman calling the game at the booth because it'll probably be on Monday Night Football. Oh um, yeah, I would. Which would, would be which would be awesome too. Um, and I, who's gonna get that gig? By the way, who do you think? The Fox gig or no? Who's gonna? I I think if Fox just promotes their B team to the A team, if Joe Buck leaves yeah. and either goes to Amazon or Monday Night Football, because Al Michaels will go to one or the other. Yeah, and Mike Tirico uh, moves forward with Chris Collinsworth. Yeah. So if Fox naturally just promotes their B team, which is Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, I don't think they'll miss a beat. That's a really good number two broadcast team. I enjoyed them when they did the Pats Colts game week fifteen. I I thought they did a really good job. I enjoyed every part of that except the game. Same, same, <laughs> same. I I also liked. I I know he's a GM now, but I really liked. Uh, when it was Kevin Burkhart and John Lynch back in the day, I always liked the two of them together. And oh, even, Lynchy did a great Lynchy did a great job. Yeah, absolutely. I even remember we had a there was a random Patriots Bears game that was John Lynch and Sam Rosen, and for some reason that's why I like. I know Sam Rosen's the Rangers play by play guy, but 2014 on yes. Fox, they absolutely the Patriots kicked the holy crap out of the Bears in that game, just like they did in. 2010 as well, which was a game I actually wrote something about for WEI.com today because Brady was doing an NFT session, like a live Q&A. Talk about the most 2022 thing I can say. Yeah. Brady was doing an autograph discord for his NFT company. That's autograph with Gronk. And he told a story about how before the Patriots played the Bears in 2010, Welker made Welker did a shot of Jameson, uh, not Jameson, Jack Daniels before the game to stay warm and tried to get Brady to do one and he wouldn't do it. And that reminded me of Kevin Millar and the Red Sox doing him in 2004 before they beat the Yankees and went on to win the World Series. It's like, damn it, God, Welker doesn't get enough love in the first place. But now I think I love him even more because he was like doing cowboy up with the Patriot way. That shit's awesome. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I didn't know that. I didn't know the Jack Daniels story, but I did know that 2010 and 2014 were both Patriots ass whippings. And then 2018 against the Bears was Kevin White not knowing where the end zone was. So thank God for that. And Josh Gordon catching a pass and easily should have streaked to the end zone. But he was so out of shape, he was gassed and got caught from behind. And Corderell Patterson, uh, Corderoy Peterman, as we like to call ran, him, yeah. uh, ran a kickoff back for a touchdown. Ended up being a great Ended up being a really a sneaky good game. I want to say that was called by Ian Eagle and Dan Fouts. Who I Listen have, to no. this guy. You are Ooh. all over it, Griff. Who I do, who I have a bit of a thing against because I feel like whenever he gets a chance to rip on Tom, he takes it, and I just don't like that. Like you know how announcers just pick on a team for no reason. That's mm -hmm. just something I gotta say. Um, but with the Joe Buck, with the Joe Buck thing, I could see ESPN trying to get him. Uh, I'm glad that I'm gonna say this right now. I was never a fan of Brian Greasy in the booth. I just I liked it. It's, they'd done Steve Levy and Lewis Riddick. Greasy obviously is gone. He's on San Francisco. That would have been now. better. Yeah. Now he's the quarterback's coach in San Francisco, which, by the way, is another one of those like, ooh, I wonder why he's going to be in San Francisco. Could it be to work with his old teammate, Thomas Edward Patrick Brady, upon his mm -hmm. return? Huh? A move mm -hmm. that John Lynch tried to get five years ago, but Belichick said, <laughs> like, here's Jimmy Garoppolo instead. Uh, when Garoppolo is going to go to the commanders for three first round picks. 
Um, that get out of here. Listen, that's just me. Just me poking there, fun. That's me there, poking fun. Yeah. Listen, I don't know. I don't know what you guys are drinking up there these days. I know the supply lines are weird all around the world, but Griff, if you're chugging Everclear before the podcast, you got to let me know. Cause I'm going to have to get something heavier than this single IPA that I brought to the party. <laughs> um, no, just water for me tonight. But the only thing I got that's near my desk is just this little, uh, nip of pink Whitney or so. <laughs> hey, listen, whatever floats your boat. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, no ever clear for this guy. It's a Tuesday night. It's a work night. But um, you no, know, that was just my big thing with the uh, Monday night booth. Uh, I feel like they could try to get Joe and Troy. I feel like they could split them up, though. If Say if we end up getting Joe Buck and, I don't know, Sean Payton on Fox or help Joe Buck and Kirk Herbstreet, who I'm a fan of and I'm staring at his face right now because I read his book recently and I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um it's going to be interesting to see. That's something that's gone unnoticed until I followed Andrew Marshawn from the New York Times because he's the big sports media guy. Andrew Marshawn from the New York Post. Yeah. By the way, what's the name of Kirk Herbstreet's book? It hurts to be this handsome. Uh, out of pocket, <laughs> uh, out of pocket, fa- uh, football brotherhood, uh, foot, no, fo- football fatherhood, and college game day Saturdays. That's way too long a title. It should just be called. It should just be called. Uh, Meet me on Herb Street or something like that. <laughs> That's a great fantasy team name, but it is his handsome face on the cover. Oh, Jesus. Look at that guy. He's so infuriatingly perfect, that motherfucker. <laughs> That's what it should have been called. The title of Kirk Herb Street's book should have been Infuriatingly Perfect. What it's like to be a broadcast and college football motherfucker by Kirk Herb Street. Another Kirk Herb Street fact I want to bring up that I was disappointed about during 2020 uh, upon the many Patriot 2020 disappointments were. The week five game originally that was moved to week six against Denver was supposed to be, I think, on CBS. And then ESPN was going to do it. And it was Herb Street and Fowler. And that's my favorite broadcast doing all football. So I was like, all right, let's go. And then I wake up Sunday morning to, oh, yeah, the game's postponed because of more COVID. So they are not doing it. And Chris Fowler's Instagram story is literally him at the hotel across, not across the street, across the parking lot from the stadium. I think it's the, I want to say the Renaissance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, man. I'm with you, though. Like, I loved the one or two times this and maybe one seasons prior where ESPN would end up doubling up, whether it was like the playoffs on Super Wild Card Weekend or whatever it was. And uh, you'd have the Levy, Steve Levy, Greasy, Riddick combo or whoever was calling it at the time. Maybe it was like Booger McFarlane and Joe Tessitore or whatever it was. But then you would end up with Fowler and Herb Street calling the second Monday night game or the alternate playoff game, whatever. They did a great job. It wasn't just about them being able to like call a whale of an LSU Alabama game on a Saturday night or, you know, Indiana or Ohio state or something like that. Like they can just call football. I think Fowler does a dynamite job. I thought he was perfect as the college game day host. uh, But turns out he's just as good at play by play. And I think Herb Street, if he can keep up Thursday night and then take Friday off and then land at game day and then get on another PJ and then get to the game Saturday night, if he can do that and still maintain those million-dollar looks in his family life, God bless him. I mean, you only get so many opportunities to be a star, uh, make the most of what you're worth, and get that bag in this life. And so if he can do it, do it. And Joe Buck, if he goes to ESPN, A, I'm a Joe Buck apologist, not a Joe Buck critic. I think the guy does an amazing job. Like he'll literally call a Thursday night game and then uh, do some baseball in between and then end up on Sunday football with Troy Aikman. And he's peerless across the way. Like 
makes no mistakes, great calls, is able to like ride his own, like the volume and the emotional volume of his own calls and like be dramatic when he needs to and just nails the moment, has some signature calls. If he goes to ESPN and he's able to like work Sunday night baseball and do Monday night football or just do like a new game of the week for ESPN and also uh, jump in with Scott Van Pelt on the Masters, you know, game set match, book it. Like I'm, I'm sold, you know, take my money, please. I think he would, he and uh, Aikman who inarguably, I think had the greatest NFL season uh, in 2021 for uh color analysts would be a yeah. dynamite fit and Monday night football would become say, you know, without the Manning cast would become must watch TV again. Exactly. Like I like the Manning cast, but I felt like if, if you want to like watch just the game as background noise, you can do that. I just feel like with those two on, it's way too distracting, even though, Joe Buck did have a great insult to Peyton during the Bills Patriots Monday night game this past year. Oh, where, did he really? What was his burn? Uh, the burn. I didn't. I didn't. I saw the video afterwards, but apparently Peyton asked him about like, oh, so Joel, when the game gets boring, do you ever come up with things to say? And he's like, yeah, the last time I had to do that was the Super Bowl. You lost to the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. So basically, <laughs> they call that game. Yeah. I, I love all. I'm here for all the sick football burns, by the way. I celebrate Same. all of them, especially if you've earned them, whether you're a great broadcaster, great player, super fan, what have you. I am here for all of them. If the, as, if and so long as they are in good fun and good nature. Exactly. You know what? Sometimes it's like it's like the guy on TikTok likes to say, be a man, the, the Boston be a man guy. Um, but the other thing, too, with those uh, two as well is I'm forever indebted to them because they called. I know this is the one from Super Bowl 49, which happens was in Phoenix. Super Bowl 57 is going to be in Phoenix. Just, just saying, throwing that out there. And there's, this is the third Super Bowl that's going to take place in Phoenix. Again, Griff, we yeah. go back to like one of the topics at the start of the podcast, which is yeah. the Patriots can't help but insert themselves into the narrative of all, of all the important storylines in the NFL. I mean, are they obviously going to be back at Super Bowl 57 in Arizona because you can't have a Super Bowl in Arizona without the Patriots? Natch. Duh. Of course it's going to happen. That's I've, I've I mean I already feel like I'm collecting the money that I bet on FanDuel the night the Super Bowl ended like boom sauce done it's happening it's on see you there exactly and then um what was my other point I was gonna say um like there like but then I'm indebted to them because guess what Tosta White he's in Patriots win the Super Bowl Brady has his fifth what a comeback verbatim verbatim beautifully done. And just like Al Michaels, and the pass is intercepted at the goal line. Malcolm Butler, unbelievable. Thanks, and then Russ. Chris, then Chris Collinsworth just said something like, "Yeah, I can't." Now here's a guy who threw a shitty fucking pass on yeah. a terrible play call. The best moment of that still is just the Malcolm go, Malcolm go. Oh, like I mean, that's uh, th- those are two words. <laughs> Like, prior to free Brady, uh, Malcolm Go was almost like the roll tide of Pat's nation. 100%. But that's all I remember. It was just um, Brady, uh, Chris Collins was just basically ripping on the Seahawks for what they did. Um, and also, say, can I say, I, I have a take about Super Bowl 51, but I don't know how hot it is. I'm here for it. Go for the, it. Aside, the, for, aside from the fact that Kyle Shanahan literally has shit the bed is like the, the worst play call. Like, no one chokes in the big game worse than Kyle Shanahan. I don't know if the Super Bowl comeback happens, if not for the Dante Hightower strip sack. I will stand on the hill of that was the biggest play of or biggest turning point play of that game. I will die on that hill, even if he's not a Patriot come next week, because once Brady left, he became my new favorite Patriot. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, like he entered the pantheon of legendary Patriots and he was wearing in war rather because I think his days in Foxborough, at least as a player, are done as well now. I He wore the number of another legendary defender, another legendary linebacker, like one that could, could and should have easily been retired for Teddy Bruschi and Hightower honored it and maybe even furthered it. Three Super Bowl wins just like Bruschi, but even bigger plays in those Super Bowls. A lot of Bruschi's signature plays came in the regular season but freaking Dante Hightower, he was instrumental in all three of those Super Bowl wins. The big tackle alongside Patrick yes. Chung and the key mayors of Marshawn Lynch at the goal line, setting up the Malcolm Butler interception, number one. Number two, in Super Bowl 51, top five play in that game. You could you could argue a million different things. Without the pass to Hogan on third and 12, or a third and 10, or third and 15, whatever it was from the 12-yard line with two minutes left. Without the Edelman catch. Um, without uh, Trey Flowers' sacks, without all these different things. You know, it doesn't happen. Just like the sliding doors and the the way the ball had to bounce in the, you know, um, Rube Goldberg machine for the Patriots to be able to put that comeback together will never happen again in any game, especially yeah. for a team in, a, a, in the ultimate game like the Super Bowl like that. That just is never going to happen again. But the high tower sack, if you had to pick one, nobody would argue with you. Nobody would say like, oh, Bordignon, you're so freaking wrong. You couldn't spell wrong backwards if I gave you all five letters. Like you're, you know, like <laughs> I gave you a W-R-O-N on Wordle and you still couldn't figure out, you, you dipshit. Like, no, it's a great choice. It's an absolutely phenomenal choice. And then in Super Bowl 53, when Brian Flores was the de facto defensive coordinator before he went to Miami, his defense was all over the field, and he and Van Noy absolutely devoured Jared Goff in that game. So, yeah, man, he's an, he's an all-timer, an absolute all-timer. He's a red jacket guy, maybe not a Canton Hall of Fame dude, but he's a red jacket Patriot Hall of Famer and a total legend in my eyes. 100%. And there's also a couple other guys like that who are going to be red jackets one day. Uh, one of them, uh, I don't know if they're Canton yet. That's Devin McCourty, but there is one that I will die on the hill of him belonging in Canton, no matter if he's Patriot this year or if he retires, and that is Matthew Slater. Matthew Slater is a red jacket and gold jacket guy. I will die on that hill. Yeah, I think Slater deserves it. Uh, you know, I know there are not a lot of special teamers in the Hall of Fame. There's only two kickers in the Hall of Fame at this point. Like I think like a punter, two kickers, and a handful of special teamers. But to be the absolute best at what you did for over a decade, and because I like to take a lot of the intangibles as well, like what you did on the field, what you do in the game of football matters most. However, if you also end up representing the team well, serving the shield, you know, or, you know, you got to take care of our, our, you know, uh, we always talk about as uh, Roger Goodell, or we're going to talk about the integrity of the game. You know, the integrity of the game is the most important thing. You know, then who who better to have, you know, upheld the integrity of the game for the last decade and a half than Matthew Slater? Community leader, team leader, Walter Payton Man of the Year, perpetual nominee, Pro Bowler, All Pro, Plymouth Rock that man, person. Yeah, ex exactly. I mean, it, you don't you don't get that insurance gig that easy, my friend. He absolutely deserves I mean, Red Jacket, no doubt. But like Matthew Slater, he gets my vote uh, for the Hall of Fame. And it's interesting because there there ultimately may not be that many guys that go from the double dynasty run of the New England Patriots in all six Super Bowls in the Brady-Belichick era, whereas you can look at all these other dynastic runs, if you will, like the Steelers in the 70s and the 49ers in the 80s and the Cowboys in the 90s. They all have as many, if not more, 
guys in the Hall of Fame from those teams than the Patriots may have, which really just points to the fact that, A, Brady was that good, B, Belichick did make that much of a difference, and C, it really was about having a strong middle class. I mean, that that I, the ideal of the way they went about building teams with the greatest quarterback and the greatest coach of all time and a couple of really planet couple, you know, of a couple great players, pro bowlers and planetary types of talent worked. It really did. Exactly. One, one, 100 percent. You're right. You're right on all those fronts, too, because like if you look at those 70 Steelers, the amount of Hall of Famers, 80s, Niners, 90s Cowboys. Oh, hopefully one day it's all Patriots and 2010 Patriots. But we saw Richard Seymour's just getting in now. Uh, they're already building the Tom Brady wing for 2027 or maybe 2030 at this rate. Who knows? Um, they're going to have to push it back. Cause I'm going to tell you, I, if I had to put my money on it right now, Griff, yeah. he's going to be in San Francisco this fall. I you think Gronk finished. I think Gronk and Brady both finish their careers where their childhoods began. Gronk does one final season painfully in Buffalo. Brady does one final season. Uh, not so painfully in San Francisco. They each get to see their names on the jerseys they went. They grew up rooting for, and then they meet in the Super Bowl, and we get to watch Brady finally play Gronk. And I'll kind of want to throw up and gouge my eyes out, but at the same time, it would be a hell of a good football game. As long as the fans of Buffalo are, as long as I can see the tears coming from over the QEW, which is the highway that leads to Buffalo, I should mention. As long as I can see all of that, like I saw the smoke clouds forming when they didn't draft uh, Connor McDavid in 2015, that's what I'll be most happy with. That's what I'll be happy with. Like when they all complained about no overtime in the. Uh, oh, make a friggin' stop. Knock that's what it I can off. Say. Can we also. That's the one thing. How about just don't let the fucking Chiefs run down the field with 13. How about play defense with 13 seconds? How about kick. Yep. How about squib kick the kickoff? How about actually don't coach with your head up your ass? Come on. Or how about this? How about you convert three third downs in a row in overtime instead of bitching about D Ford being offside? Um, that's the one thing I think Patriot fans love to point out that no one likes to acknowledge is that Tom right. Brady converted three third and longs in that overtime, which I believe that's one, right. one passed the, one went to Gronk, I believe one went to Edelman, and I'm blanking what the other one was. But Hogan, Hogan, Hogan. That's right. I was trying to remember if yeah, Hogan was all on the team. I think after 2019 is when he left. Actually, Hogan may have caught one in, in the fourth quarter that was ridiculous, and I think it may have been may have been Edelman, Gronk, Edelman. It may have just honestly been all Bubs and Gronk at that point, like unstoppable. And another great uh, all-time call from my favorite guy who does the Masters, who does NFL football, when Jim Nance basically says, touch on Patriots, and it's, hello, Super Bowl, and you see Brady just jumping into, I want to say. Uh, David, say, uh, Dave, uh, David Andrews ran through the end zone. Bye, see ya. Yeah, bye, see ya. And Rex Burkhead scored the tie. Rex Burkhead basically just carried the hammer the entire way over the final 15 yards after Sony had been the battering ram in the first half. Yeah, and then Philip Dorsett awesome. had an unbelievable touchdown in that game as well. He did. I know. Brady only threw touchdowns to Philip Dorsett during that postseason run, one against the Chargers and one against the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, it was it was so spectacular. That's That's one of my five favorite Patriot wins, period, that game. That game was just remarkable because I, I was, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have an association and relationship with the team for years now. Them noticing my super fandom from social media and YouTube and everything and uh, bringing me aboard in a in a sort of like ambassadorial fan ambassador ca- capacity. And I, I've had a chance to go to some of these Super Bowls and create content for the team and be around them in these Super Bowl runs. And I rode in a duck boat parade. And I just remember thinking like, all right, I you know I love this team so much. Please win this game just because I want to see you go to the Super Bowl. But also, like, 
shit, I really want to go to the Super Bowl. I want to work. Like, I want to work this. This will be so awesome. Like, come on, you guys. Like, I don't care. I'm in my 40s and I still have all like, I still get like the childhood joy out of it. That's the thing. So long as you still like, if you can still get the same feeling out of watching sports or your favorite sports team, your favorite football team that you do or you did rather when you saw Star Wars for the first time, then that means like you haven't been affected so much or that you are you're still doing the right thing like that. It matters to you. You still have the love of the game. Like if you're watching the Death Star blow up for the first time, every time you see the Patriots score a touchdown. That's right on. That, that, that's me and how I feel. Like I, I like I said before, it's why I love football. It's a sport I'd love to talk about the most, even though hockey is still my one true passion. Like I'm, I'm Canadian. I kind of have to be that way. But football is just a sport I can talk about day in and day out. That's why I'm 156 episodes deep into this podcasting life now. Mm-hmm. But my big thing with um, football is, and the Patriots, is I remember for years I'd get people asking me, because I have friends, family who are diff- fans of all different teams. They always ask me, oh, are you still going to be a fan of Brady, reti-? like when Brady leaves or retires? And I was like, yeah. And I stood by them morals. 2020, sat through the Patriots. It was what it was. Obviously, it sucked. 2021 it was different though 2020 was different hey that whole cam newton thing it was different didn't work in the end but like it was fun for a little bit then it wasn't and then we just kind of like grinned and dealt with it but like it was it was different he he was like i'll always admire cam newton because he he you know took the slings and arrows of an angry patriots nation that just watched their favorite player and the greatest of all time walk out that door and he tried didn't work out but he tried and now there's hope in the form of uh you know, Mac Jones, like, you know, now the McCorkle brings the hope and he'll, you know, I don't want him to be Tom Brady. I don't need him to be Tom Brady. I don't need the team to look like the old teams. I just want them to be entertaining, distract me from the rest of the real world and all the other things that, you know, grind our gears and bring us down, Griff. I just want them to be fun. I just want to have fun watching football. And if they can make it to the postseason, God, I mean, I've, they've won six Super Bowls. Yeah. Like, how, what the hell else do I, I mean? Most people are happy with a Super Bowl in their lifetime. Maybe two championships at most. Six over two decades? Get out. Nikovich, please. Are you kidding me? I'm happy forever. Same. I'm the same way. I can always look back on it and go, look, my team won. I got to witness six Super Bowl trophies in my lifetime already. It, it should be seven or eight, but that's another topic for another day. Damn, Giants. Um, my big thing with that is just, look, you're right. I can go and sit down on 18 games a year, the occasional mon- Monday and Thursday, but majority of Sundays, sit there for s- three hours, be happy, be excited, be angry, be sad, emotionally invest myself into the game, like the Dallas Cowboy game this year. That was an example where... Hell of a ride that was. Third, Don't bring it up, Griff. I'm not ready for third to go back to third and 25 again. Don't give up 24 and third and 25. You had one job, Patriots. What are you doing? Come on, Jalen Mills. I'm more or less referring to the uh, Kendrick Bourne uh, touchdown that oh, Trayvon Diggs picks it off for six. And then on the very next play, Bourne for 75. Oh, my God. You want to talk about just like that was one of those games where like with the Malcolm Butler play, you literally go from death row to the dynasty. Uh, you go for like you go from the poorhouse to the penthouse and the Playboy Mansion in just like a moment's time, like just by the by the flip of a switch. Yeah. And then the fact that they let him back in to score tied and win in overtime, son of ah! Oh. And Aguilar was open and cu- should have caught the ball and cut overtime. See, 
And and word ours, they might be moving on from Aguilar. I hoped it worked out. They overpaid him in the first place. They misread the market last year in the uncharacteristically aggressive offseason, paid him too much. Still probably could have worked. Maybe they signed him for Cam Newton and they ended up going with Mac Jones. But I'll always wish him well. Because, uh, again, I'm in that sort of like appreciatory sort of, uh, light, you know, football life is gravy for me. Because, again, I've seen six Super Bowl wins. So, thanks. But, uh, you know, happy trails. Exactly. That's because... The one thing I also remember Aguilar for, too, is that he caught Mac's first touchdown. That's the one thing I'll remember him for. Um, but I didn't mean to reopen any wounds. I apologize if I do. Sorry about that. But my big thing right now is, look, obviously we thought we were that we had a chance at Calvin Ridley. Um, I have, like, literally a bunch of banners I was going to flash up here and ask you about, like, like what, how do you feel about Mac? But you covered it. J.C. Jackson, I'm in the boat right now I like I was with David Andrews last offseason where, okay, look, I'm prepared for him to come back. I'm prepared for him to go. But I think at the end of the day, he'll go out there, see that, you know what, maybe the grass isn't greener on the other side. I'll stay here, be cornerback one with Jalen Mills on the other side. Where I want to go with you is who would you like to see come in? Who do you – where like what holes do you want to see get plugged this coming offseason? Like I can show you – like I literally can do this. See, boom, Patriots, free agent Let's targets. do it. Run through them. Go. Do you want to have sign with the Patriots? Like, do you want a receiver? Do you want a defensive? I'd say defensive line, but look, I know the defensive line fell off of the latter part of the year, and I now get a shiny Matthew Judon jersey. I get to wear all next off, all next season with the red sleeves. I am not wearing that jersey unless I have red long sleeves underneath, Um, and a Mac Jones jersey. And also, too, I'm going to say it's Christian Barmore, one of the best picks of the draft last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my big thing is if anything, retooling the linebacking core, I think, you know what, getting a wide receiver one and adding to the linebacking core that I think is the biggest priority of this off season. Yeah. My top priorities. And I've been, uh, less than completely unashamed to admit it have been number one priority. Number one has to be to resign the, the unspoken for MVP of the national football league and art inarguably the greatest player in the history of the franchise, if not, uh, the league that's Nick Folk. You have 100%. to bring ba- got to get big kick Nick back in the Patriots uniform. Wildly underpaid last year, just $1.075 million. Guy has made his last 55 kicks from inside 50 yards in 2020. He was the MVP of the team and continues to be one of their most valuable assets. I don't care if they got the mighty, you know, iron leg, the mighty Quinn, Quinn Nordine on the practice squad. Resign Nick Folk now. Getting serious down to the task bracks, if you will. I know it's brass tax. Just having fun, kids. It's all good. Uh, number one, I wanted them to get my uh, Mac Jones's development and speed at the second level of the defense were my two offseason priorities. Yeah. Top, top, top. Over re-signing J.C. Jackson, over getting another cornerback, even over uh, signing some of the offensive line or fixing some of the holes there. I'd love for them to bring Trent Brown back. Ted Karras will probably go get a really big deal somewhere else. And isn't he glad he signed thinking he was going to get a one-year deal to replace David Andrews only to shift over to left guard and stabilize what turned out to be a relatively decent line last year. Didn't I didn't mind at all. Hopefully Mike on when you gets his blank straight and has a really solid third year. Yep. uh, Considering that poof pro football focus always loves him. So my two priorities continue with the development of Mac Jones. So do whatever you need to do in terms of coaches, in terms of mentors, uh, to help him cerebrally, to help him on the field, to help him understand the schemes and the game plans. And then just give him the met, the best possible assets you can. So that's why I wanted them to trade for Calvin Ridley if he was back in the game. I we'll still get him for want six them next year. 
Yeah, exactly. Or if he if he shakes free of that garbage suspension that the commissioner gave him just to try to prove a point and drive the hammer home that he doesn't want people gambling on the game. Fifteen hundred bucks. We're like that's why the biggest joke on Twitter yesterday was, "Wow, Calvin Ridley is such a shitty gambler." Bet fifteen hundred, lost eleven million dollars. Terrible odds. Um, we also bet on the Falcons. Yeah. So I would like to see the Pats find a way to either get a security blanket or a number one receiver for him just just to make sure that he has somebody else to go to because, like, Aguilar didn't work out. I love Bourne. I don't know how much further they can stretch him, but I think they can integrate him in the game more. Jonu Smith was the fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie of a tight end, just an absolute disaster with too much money spent on it. I like Hunter Henry as much as the next guy who loves, uh, you know, chicken parm. But uh, they they need just that some whether it's a Welker type or whether it's like a uh, the Steph Diggs type because obviously that that proved to be a massive 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 addition and a huge key to unlocking the potential of Josh Allen. So that's number one and number two. And I think we're seeing it. They let Van Noy go. They probably won't resign Hightower. Uh, they're gonna fold. They're gonna. It's gonna be Josh Uche time. You're probably yep. going to see more of Ronnie Perkins, who basically got a red shirt freshman year this uh, rookie season the same way Trey Flowers did. Cameron McGrone. Uh, Cameron McGrone, who would have been a second round, t- was a second round talent, but went in the fifth because he tore his ACL. This is his time. So get some more speedy linebackers, get some more, sec- you know, middle and second level speed. Going to have to draft a cornerback to replace JC Jackson. They've had a they've had a lot of luck reaching into the nickel candy jar and coming out with full size candy bars, finding you know, undrafted free agent corners like Malcolm Butler and J.C. Jackson and turn them into all pros. So they'll hopefully they'll be able to do it again. But speed at the linebacker, wide receiver, maybe it's someone in the draft. I love this kid Sky Moore. I love John Mechie out of Alabama, who's also coming off an ACL. Probably get him in the second round. He can work the slot and on the outside. Give You know, these are the guys Matt cooked with before. Let them cook together yep. again. Cook them, let them cook together again. Let's get the sh- Let's get the kitchen back in order, Griff. I also got to say this. I don't make these rules, but one of Slade Bolden or Britton Covey from Utah are going to be Patriots. I just don't – I don't make the rules. That's just that's just how it is. Um, I love the additions. Like, I like John Mechie, too. He's actually from up here. Um, my fiance went to high school with him for his first couple of years, or she either went to high school with him or not went to high school. They went to the same school. But nice. she knows his – she knows his uh, older brothers who play in the Canadian Football League. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And then, uh, so that's just a little fun. So I want him to be a Patriot just for that reason, to kind of cheer on, because obviously the last Canadian-born Patriot probably isn't working out that well. Sorry, Nikhil. Um, uh, that, that's, an. I mean, like, honestly, like, can we, ju- can we just be done with that at this point? Like, can we yeah. just do our, like, let's just cut bait. Let's just let it go. Like, at yeah. this point now we can, like, let's stop trying to make it work. Like, we're not, we did no need to force the relationship anymore. We we got behind him. We were hyped for him. I don't. I I just want him gone so that we don't have to, so that we don't have to deal with the whole like. But we could add AJ Brown. Oh, what about DK Mech? Like every time I see Debo Sam, every time a Debo scores, a Nikhil cries. Like it is just he wanted to be a Patriot. He was the perfect Patriot. So was AJ Brown. Bill whiffed. He shit the bed on the pick. Let's just move on. The Pats had such a good draft last year. There's so much promise and potential on the people they brought in and the people that hopefully are to come. I like the brain trust. Let's just let's just not keep reminding ourselves of the time that we were on a date with the hottest chick that we were ever on a date with. And we decided to, like, get a steak sandwich and go home as opposed to, like, you know, 
finish the night in the limo. Come on. I, but they just, it was so bad. God damn it. Oh, my God. They kill Harry. Why? But I'll say this. I'll be, say this, too, with the 2021 draft class. Uh, David Andrews yelling Mondre repeatedly is good for the soul. It is. What a fine that kid was, too, huh? Yeah, and James White said he'll – like, Devin McCourty said he's likely going to come back. He's training to come back. Yep. James White wants to play football again this year. Like, great. Okay, let's get the just the right mix of veterans, but also still make sure that they get younger and faster and more explosive, like Gerard Mayo said at the Super Bowl, where they need to. I, tr- I mean, I trust him. I imagine you do, too. We should, right? I mean, they got they got the they got the resume, they got the legacy, they got the championships to prove it. And soon they'll have a huge scoreboard in both end zones to prove it as well with the new stadium rentals coming in. Lo- uh, I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. I'm kind of gonna be disappointed that my first visit to Foxborough is gonna be while it's under renovations, but I'm thinking it may have to become a yearly trip as I actually one of the other Patriots memorabilia I have on my desk is uh, a piece of turf in a frame from I think the it was used between 2006 to 2010. So, no, oh, nice. You, you know, know, you you know what you could do, Griff. Though, if the if that side of the end zone was under construction, oh, kick ass! Look at that. That's yeah. nice. That's a nice little keepsake. You you know what you could do is when you visit and that part of the end zone is under construction, what you do is you find something you can either scratch your name in or like some cement you can put your feet like a handprint or something in. Just like when some Red Sox fans were working on the new Yankee Stadium and they threw a David Ortiz jersey underneath it uh, and they tried to sneak that in and ultimately it had to be like unearthed or something like that because they didn't want there to be a curse in the new stadium. Like, go ahead and just like put your own little impression there. Like, leave your own little mark in there. Like, just like be a part of the new piece and the new heritage and new tradition at the Razor, kid. I, lo- I love that. I'm, I'm going to keep that. That one's going to stay in the back of my mind for whenever I get down there. Apart from me spending an ungodly amount and kicking the crap out of my Visa gift card when I go inside the Patriots Pro Shop. Because I, I just know that's going to happen. Um, you know what, though? Like, you're right, though, in the sense where, look, a lot of guys, like, I know Devin McCourty is going to be like, yeah, you know what, sign me up, team deal or whatever. Uh, JC Jackson, too, it's like I said. I have a friend who's a Jets fan who's on me who basically saying, like, oh, the Jets have something planned. What do you feel about the Jets going there? I'm just like, look. Or he, he was even shocked that we didn't sign him to the tag. And I said... If we had given him the tag, it would have screwed us long for the cap because we have 27 oh, yeah. mil. Because right you would now. have had to have cleared an extra 10 million in space in order to make the tag where it just wasn't going to happen. It's not last offseason. We can't get no, drunk on the idea that every offseason is going to have the Patriots as the richest free agency team with the with the deepest pockets. Where I went into last offseason being like, okay, I wanted I wanted Hunter Henry. That was a tight end I wanted. And I remember I was in the car. Well, at the time, she's my girlfriend, and she's like, "The Patriot signs one." I go, "Really?" Who? She's like, "She mispronounced it, but she said Johnu Smith." And I was like, "Okay, cool." So I was like, "You know what? We got Johnu." I was okay with it. Next day, I'm at work. Boom! I think it was Diana Rossini or Schefter. It was just like, uh, "Yeah." So we signed. Uh, it was like Hunter Henry signed the Patriots. I'm just like, "All right, cool." It's just like the Seinfeld reference: more anything, more everything. I think I screwed that one up. Uh, <laughs> but um, but you know what I mean, though, right? It was like the best of both worlds scenario, and then. Um, with this year, though, I have to look at it from a fan perspective. Where, look, if we're in Phoenix this year, great. I, like I said, I don't, I don't write the scripts. I just read the script and know what's on it. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at this team that they have a window to compete and win in, and I just want to see this team be consistently winning football games. That's what I care about right now. To get to a, get a deeper into the playoffs and potentially get a number seven and become the greatest franchise all time that's not named Tom Brady. 
that would be awesome too. But my big concern right now is just, look, knowing that every Sunday I have a football team that I can trust. And as long as Belichick's at the helm, that's something that I can take, that I can take solace and pride in. Look, be fun, be entertaining, be a diversion, be worth the time that we invest in it both on Sundays and during the other six days of the week where there's not football. And then above, and then above all, like, yeah, g- give me a good, give me a good product. Give me something I can take pride in, make it worth watching. Let's have fun. Let's have fun doing this. And if I can say one thing, you know, one thing looking forward and one thing looking back, let's clean up all the mistakes that were very uncharacteristic, very unpatriot way, very unbelichickian of last year's team. And then going forward, you know, let's just continue. Like I said, top priority, whatever it is, whether it's just coaches, whether it's uh, weapons, whether it's receivers, whether it's scheme, continue with the development of Mac Jones and let him try to reach his true potential, bulk up, get him stronger, get him ready, you know, for dealing with the elements, dealing with a much more difficult AFC East. Uh, And just, yeah, continue being the Patriots. No one should by any stretch, continue to think of these as the same Patriots, even though the logo is the same, the address is the same, and the coach continues to be the same as the Patriots of 2001 through 2019. It's a different team. It's a different time. So the product is invariably going to look similar, yet be different. So all I can ask, be fun, make it easier for me to watch the games with the kids, make it more fun, make it more enjoyable when I watch with my friends. Give me something compelling to talk about when I'm doing my work, whether it's the stuff I do on my own or professionally for the Patriots, the radio or TV, wherever it may be. Uh, And again, back to square one, just be, you know, just make it fun. That's all any of us can ask. It's sports. Like the, the, the whole point of this is just to like to give us something to talk about, to make the journey a little more enjoyable, make it, make it fun. Griff. I, as long as long as like watching Pat's games isn't a chore, isn't it, you know, doesn't feel disrespectful, doesn't feel like a waste of time. I can't ask for anything else. And also to the one other point I want to make that I think you'll agree with is and make us drink not for the wrong reasons, but for the right reasons on Sundays. It doesn't like, you know, make you want to do like make like like I said, make you drink for any of the wrong reasons. Um, also, one of the <laughs> I wanted to make to you off air that I didn't is another reason why I'm actually, I think I still a big a Patriots fan as I am and committed to this team is that the feeds that I would get on the cable channels growing up were all the Boston feeds. So I'd get WBC, Fox 25, I don't, and NBC 10, I want to say. And so every Sunday, what would I do from 1130 to 12? Watch Patriots game day on CBS. So that's why I'm so ingrained in the team as well. Like, look, I know, like, for example, I can think of names all top of my head, Mike Reese, Steve Burton, uh, yes, they're uh, local legends. Reed. They're family. They they all feel they. All, yeah. I honestly feel as close to them as I do half my own actual family. Like, like Your they're like because you. Yeah, they were well. Like, yeah, and Fourier is something. Christian Fourier is someone I've worked with Fourier. now for a while, and is an and is a a good buddy who I love to death. Like, but and though all those other guys, even though I only see them, you know, every now and again or so, like they come into your lives so often. Yeah, you feel like you have a connection with these players, like these media members, the voices, like the white noise, the background that you fall asleep to, that you replay time and again, that you that host the pregame and the postgame. You see them all the time like they're in your living room more often, usually as pandemic or not, Griff, than actual aside from like a wife, uh, you know, maybe your parents, good neighbors or your kids like they're in your house more often than anyone else is. So no wonder why we feel like we have a connection and a kinship with them. They've built family to us. Exactly. It's great. And, and yeah. that's why, that's why it's to me, 
sports always has been and will always will be the ultimate connective, emotionally connective tissue, and that's why it matters so much. Well, 100%. And also, too, the other reason why I also love the song Your Love by the Outfield. I have no problem admitting that one either. It just it always makes me feel about the Patriots and that cardiac-inducing 2015 divisional game against the Baltimore Ravens where we were down 14 nothing, tied it up, 28-24, 28-28 on the Edelman to Amendola play, and then Brady hit JoJo LaFell for the LaFell. game-winning touchdown. Mighty in the that. bank. Yep. And also, yeah. to who also caught a touchdown in Super Bowl 49. First uh, touchdown that, in Super Bowl 49, yeah. yeah. Both games called on NBC, too. I am by Al and Chris, too. Just epic. Yeah. Want, to talk, want to talk about an epic postseason run for them by, by them. It was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Exactly. One, 100%. Um, and uh, also, the only thing I want to add, I don't want to ask you, I just want to say, because I saw this on Get Up today, and I feel like a lot of the times when I watch Get Up clips on YouTube, it makes me question why did I click on this in the first place, <laughs> is for everyone questioning who's You're like the rest office, of us, I get it, yeah. Yeah. Um, first take, I don't mind, especially tomorrow's Screaming Uncles show, which i got to say I love, because that's what it is. That's, <laughs> every, that's every uncle at every family function ever, no matter where you live in the world. Um is about who's calling the plays in New England offensively. And I'm going to say this right now. It's not going to be someone who you think now. I don't think you can predict that so far out where, oh, it's going to be Belichick. Oh, it's going to be Judge and Patricia. No. Patricia came back last year. Judge came back this year. I still feel like their roles aren't going to be as big as people think. Give it time because, you know what, at the end of the day, all aboard the crazy train because it's just going to keep on rolling in Foxborough. My guess is that you'll see Matt Patricia continue in that sort of part GM, part conciliary to Belichick, like an Ernie Adams 2.0 for a new generation because he respects his football mind and experience. He's coached offensive line. He's been a defensive coordinator. He's been a head coach. doesn't matter which ones he was necessarily the best at or kind of sucked at. I'm sure we can come up with that power ranking and pecking order real quick. Yep. But he fills an important number of roles. Uh, I think you'll see Joe Judge as sort of like a quality control overall offensive assistant, again, doing a lot of jobs as he traveled down the Josh McDaniels reclamation highway and took the Patrick Chung exit to come back and fix his career where he really made a name for himself and began it. Uh, Nick Cayley is the guy, the tight ends coach who's been there the last seven years. To me, that was the name on the piece of paper Belichick slid across to McDaniels and said, you can take whatever other coaches you want. You can't take this guy. And so I think he's going to be the one who's going to be like McDaniels have been around studied from the best and then get a chance to cut his teeth. will not get named offensive coordinator this year, but Dante Scarnecchia said it best. Tight ends coaches are the ones who know the offense better than anyone else because they need to know all the line calls. They need to know where every receiver is. They know what the quarterback is doing, what the running backs are doing because they're all they're offensive linemen and their receivers and sometimes running backs. So I think he, I hopefully hope he does a great job, but he seems like the right man for the job, all things considered. And then we'll see what happens with Ivan Fears as well, who obviously has been with the Patriots longer than I think longer than I've been alive. Actually, I'm 28 now. I think he's been with the team like probably, if not as long, longer than like I said, I've been alive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I know you're, I, and by the way, at the beginning of the show, when I said biggest guest, I mean biggest guest in sense of social media following, Twitter following, my. Second big, you, my biggest guess at the time was 52. I believe you're at 55, 55K. So that's where I say biggest. But I want to give you a second, Fitzy, just to go on the air and say, if you know, maybe if there's someone out there who doesn't exactly know who you are, or if there's someone not in Patriot land who wants to find out 
what your Twitter handle is, what your Instagram, YouTube, you name it on social media. Plug yourself away, and folks, links will be in the bio to everything. Well, thank you very much, Griff Dog. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I've enjoyed parsing over a nice uh, medium-rare steak by Bourdignon over the last hour or so. Uh, thank you. Merci beaucoup. Uh, it's been fantastique and merveilleux. Uh, je suis a fan of the Patriots, and uh, it's been – it's. I listen, I always love doing stuff like this. It doesn't matter if someone's doing Podcast 1, Podcast 156. Uh, I love uh, every chance to wax Pat's-tastic um, and chop it up with uh, – a good fan and a good man like yourself. You can follow me on the socials at Fitzy GFY, TikTok, Instagram, uh, my face, face place, uh, you know, cookbook, lookbook, whatever it is, wherever you can find people talking about uh, the topics of the day, yelling at each other about politics, gasoline prices and football. That's where I'll be usually with a cold beer in hand uh, and looking for uh, a good time because I do this for fun. So please try not to be a dink when when you come across my path and say hello, uh, I work for the Patriots. So you can see me at the game at the, all the home games. And, uh, you can listen to me on WEI 93.7 FM in Boston at WEI.com. Uh, and sometimes, uh, you never know. You might pot- catch me on the TV on the NFL network talking about the Patriots or whatever else. But, um, uh, I, I, I love, I love me some Patriots and, uh, you know, we got the best team, the best coach, the best owner, and the best fans. Uh, and I will never apologize about loving them more than anything else except for my own family in this world, Griff. I'm the exact same way. And also, too, who will be a part of an Apple TV docuseries coming up very soon based on the book The Dynasty by Jeff Benedict, which Patriots fans, I've preached this before. If you've not read that book, read that it's book. Great. It's on the shelf right behind me. I had a chance to interview Jeff a while ago, and I'm looking forward to catching up with him again when it comes out. Great guy. Great book. Great access, great read, total 500 pages of pure, unadulterated, grade-A Patriots porn. It is somewhere in my that uh, nightstand over where that TV is in the corner. It's in that drawer right there. But I have read that book. It is a great book. <laughs> we're, I, all, <laughs> we're all the adult material is kept. Yes, <laughs> right right above the uh, penthouse uh, forums. Um But anyway, folks, that's going to do it for episode number 156 of YWC Football Talk. As always, we are sponsored here by BetStamp for the best odds, for the best shopping of odds for any sport. Download the app, promo code GRIFFB, link is in the bio to everything. But for Fitzy, for Griff, this podcast was a long time in the making, but I'm a very very patient Patriots fan from Canada. And folks, I'll be back for more YWC Football Talk as we're just getting into the meat potatoes of the NFL offseason. And as always, Go Pats. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.